Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillah ve salatu vesselam. Ala Resulillah ve alihi ve sahbihi ve men vala. Inşallah ta'ala we will take the last interactive Quranic recitation today, the 10th, which Imam al-Ghazali terms at-tabarri. And it can be translated as disclaiming. So he says al-ashiru at-tabarri. The tenth interact is disclaiming, وَأَعْنِي بِهِ And I mean by that, أَنْ يَتَّبَرَّعَ مِنْ حَوْلِهِ وَقُوَّتِهِ وَالْإِلْتِفَاتِ إِلَىٰ نَفْسِهِ بِعَيْنَ الرِّضَى وَتَزْكِيَةِ Is someone disclaims their power and their strength. And they're noticing their own self, are looking at their own self, regarding their own self, بِعَيْنَ الرِّضَى With the eye of contentment. وَتَزْكِيَةِ And thinking that they are special, thinking that they are in a good state. And this is, of course, a very subtle interact. And he's gone through the previous nine and ends here to encourage us to recite in a way that is of the that utmost ihsan. And this is something, again, that doesn't just apply to Quranic recitation, this applies to all of the different acts of worship that we do and everything about our deen. Disclaiming, an where we do not claim any strength, we do not claim any power, we do not claim any ability in and of our own selves. We do not think that we're something special or that we are from the righteous or that we are in a great state. Internally, we are always in a state where we realize that we need to work on ourselves. We realize that we need to further the path of spiritual purification. And as we mentioned recently, looking at yourself with the eye of contentment is one of the biggest veils on the path. In order for us to continue traversing the spiritual path, you can't be content with yourself. You have to keep working on yourself. Because if you look at yourself with the eye of contentment, and you think that you have what you need, how are you going to better yourself then? If you think you have the knowledge that you need to already have, if you've already acquired the skills that you need to acquire, how then can you continue to work hard? And this is one of the many, but it's one of the important factors of success and of mastery. And if you're going to ever master your craft, whatever your craft might be, you have to always continue to work hard and to realize that you can do something better, whatever that craft might be. And in the craft of purification of the heart, nothing is more important than that. We can always become more pure. There's always some vice or something that we can better ourselves regarding. And so this is the last of the ten interacts where we don't claim any power, we don't claim any spiritual state. فَإِذَا تَلَأَيَاتِ الْوَعْدِ وَالْمَدِحِ لِلصَّادِحِينَ So when we recite, for instance, the verses where we're promised great things and it praises the صَادِحِينَ, the righteous, فَلَا يَشْهَدْ نَفْسُهُ عَنَّ ذَلِكَ We don't think that that's our state. Of course that we want to be from that state. But we need to be careful from reciting those verses and thinking, oh, that's praising someone like me, someone who's in my category. No, that's something we desire, but we don't claim it for ourselves. We actually witness those 
people of certainty and the great high saints that we know about attaining that state and the people that we know who have attained it who came before us from the early people, from the great people of our generation. We imagine them in that particular station. And we long for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to cause us to reach them, to be among their ranks. So if you, it gets to be a little bit fine, but hopefully the differences become clear. You of course want to be from those great people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning, but we don't claim it for ourselves. And when we are given tawfiq and enabling grace to do something good, this becomes even a little bit more difficult to do this because you're doing good. You are doing something that is drawing you near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, at least apparently outwardly, but you also have to have the corresponding inner state and see that as from the tawfiq of Allah. Allah is the one who blessed you to do that and you don't make any claims internally for yourself. And then the contrary though is when we recite the opposite verses that are verses that reproach the people who have done wrong. This is where then we apply it to ourselves. So if we recite the verses that reproach people and that deem uh, dis- acts of disobedience to be blameworthy and talk about the people who fall short. Shahida nafsuhu hunak. We witness ourselves there. We consider that to be our state. And here we bring to mind that we are the ones addressed out of and we bring fear to the heart in ishfaq, which is also a type of fear. So we imagine we are the ones that are being addressed. And this is an etiquette that I've heard my teachers mention, should be present in the heart whenever we're listening to someone else speak. Even if that person outwardly has less, less knowledge than us, even if that person is younger than us. Whenever you hear anyone speak, let alone the great teachers that we learn from, you should Imagine everything that there is that they're saying. You should bring to mind that it applies to you. And if it's good, as Imam Muzari mentioned, we long to be from those people that are being described and to have those particular traits. And if it's not good, you see that as existing within yourself. You don't imagine other people as it referring that verse referring to someone else. And that was partially covered when we spoke about takhsis, i.e., that applying the Quranic address to oneself. But here, when it comes to disclaiming, we should apply the verses that relate to reproach to ourselves and imagine and believe that we are in that state and we need to get ourselves out of it. وَلِذَلِكَ كَانَ أُمَرَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ يُقُولُ أَلَّهُمَّ إِنِّي أَسْتَغْفِرُكَ لِذُلْمِ وَكُفْرِي And this is why we have narrations that indicate the great Kate of Sayyidina Umar al Khattab that he used to say. And again, he was known for being someone who worked very hard on himself. Sayyidina Umar did mujahadat al nafs. He was someone that worked very hard on himself. And I've heard uh, our teachers mention the difference in that regard between Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq and Sayyidina Umar al Khattab. Sayyidina Abu Bakr, because he was so close to the Prophet, even before the Prophet received 
Prophet became a Prophet, we know that the amount of spiritual struggle that he had to put in was less because he had already spent time with the Prophet who was already ready. So it was much easier for him to be adorned with those virtues as a result. Whereas Sayyidina Umar al-Khattab, even though that he had aspects of his life that were virtuous before he became Muslim, and he was known to be very wise, and um, he was known to be just. However, he had to work hard on himself. And, and there's many areas where he needed to struggle with himself. But he was gifted great ranks of closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that after Sayyidina Abu Siddiq, we say that no one is greater in rank than Sayyidina Umar bin al-Khattab. And where is he buried? He's buried right near the Prophet ﷺ, right next to Sayyidina Abu Siddiq, who's buried right next to Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And so he attained this great rank, but they, they mention is that he was someone who had to work hard on himself. But as a result, he was gifted great gifts. And this is examples of how he was on himself. Inni O Allah, I seek your forgiveness for my zulm, my wrongdoing, and my kufr, and my disbelief. But here it's best translated as ingratitude. My lack of gratitude. And it was then said to him after they hear him say this, okay, I, I understand the zulm, the wrongdoing, and us witnessing that in ourselves, but what about kufr? How do you witness in yourself kufr? And then he quoted the verse, insana kafar. Indeed, the human being is that someone who is doing all types of wrongdoing and consistently Ingrat- ingrat- ingrateful, ungrateful. So these two traits of zulm and kufr that are a part of human beings, that this manifests often in them, that they do wrong consistently and they tend to be very ungrateful for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's blessings. And so kafar here, meaning for his blessings. وَقِيلِ Yusuf ibn Asbat إِذَا قَرَأْتَ الْقُرَانَ بِمَاذَا تَدْعُوا This... Uh, Scholar was asked that if you recite the Quran, what do you supplicate? He says, What should I then supplicate for? That I seek forgiveness 70 times for all of my shortcomings, i.e., in my recitation. So the first question was one of because that you've now recited. Now what are you going to ask Allah Ta'ala for? And he changed the frame. No, that we don't see it as, oh, I've made this accomplishment of recitation and now I'm almost deserving of being rewarded and asking for something. No, he saw himself as falling short even in the recitation. So that, what did he say? I seek forgiveness from Allah for all of my shortcomings 70 times. And we are taught this meeting Immediately after we send salams from prayer. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. And the first thing we do is what? Astaghfirullah. 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 La ilaha illallah. We've just performed an act of worship. But the first thing that we do is seek the forgiveness of Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Naam. Fa'idha ra'a nafsu bi surat al-taqseer fil qira'ati kanu ritu sababa qurbihi. 
So Imam Ghazali is saying that if someone sees themselves as a shortcomer while they're reciting, is that seeing himself in this way will be a means for his proximity to draw near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he says that um, anyone that is that given to see distance in closeness is that this person will be dealt with gently when they're in a state of fear. And so that then that state of fear will then lead them and drive them to another degree of closeness that is higher than it. وَمَنْ أُشْهِدَ الْقُرْبِ فِي الْبُعْدِ مُكِرَ بِهِ بِالْأَمَنِ الَّذِي يُفْدِهِ لَدَرْجَةً أُخْرَ فِي الْبُعْدِ أَسْفَرَ مِمَّا هُوَ فِيهِ And whoever is given to witness proximity and distance is that this is a type of enticement of being led astray such that they feel secure and that state will lead to another degree of distance even further away and lower than the one that preceded it. And so, um, this is the way that people are. Really, they're in a state of qurb, in a state of proximity or closeness. But they are witnessing that they're distant. And because that they witness that they're distant, even though they're actually really close, they will receive lutf and they will receive gentleness. And so that state of their being in a state of fear because of their distance will lead them to a closer state of proximity. And likewise, and the opposite. And so anyone who is actually really distant, but they're deceived and thinks that they're close, this is a type of makar. They have been led astray. And the eman, the security that comes from that, because they think that they're close, will actually lead to a further state of being further distant. As long as someone sees himself with the eye of contentment, is that he will be veiled by his own self. And then Imam Wazari says that if someone that transcends the state where they are noticing or regarding the self, and they reach a state where they're only witnessing Allah Ta'ala in their recitation. This is when the Malakut, which he previously said, refers to the unseen as unveiled for him. So that um, Suleiman ibn Abi Suleiman al-Darani, that he says, عنه, is that Ibn Thoban promised a brother of his that he would break his fast with him. So he never came. And sunset entered, and the night went on until Salat al-Fajr. And he never came. So he met his brother the next day. And his brother said, that you promised me that you were going to break your fast, but you broke your promise. And then he responded to him and said, He says that, were it not to be that I had an appointment with you, 
I wouldn't have informed you about what kept me from coming. And then he describes a state that became him. It's an example of inkishaf of the Marakut. And again, when we say these stories, we don't delude ourselves into thinking that these are things that we've attained. But we come to know that there are people who came before us who did attain these beautiful things. And we don't worship for them. But they do strengthen us in certainty. And they do help motivate us along the spiritual path. And so he said, إِنِّي لَمَّا صَلَيْتُ atama," which refers to Salat al-Isha. He said, when I prayed Salat al-Isha, قُلْتُ that أُوْتِرُ قَبْرَ أَنْ And so that I was going to that pray Salat al-Witr before coming to you. لَنِّي لَا آمَنْ مَا يَحْدُثْ مِنَ الْمَوْتِ He said, because I'm not secure in knowing whether or not I will die. فَلَمَّا كُنْتْ فِي الدُّعَى مِنَ الْوِتْرِ When I was making dua, for in the Witter prayer, He says that it was that shown to me a green, lush garden that had all different types of flowers and blossoms from paradise. He said, I, I kept looking at it and gazing at it until I entered into the morning. And Imam Ghazali says, وَحَذِهِ الْمُكَاشَفَةِ These types of unveilings, which is something that is possible. Allah Ta'ala can unveil something like this for her servant, if He wills, Tabarakallah Ta'ala. لَا تَكُونْ إِلَّا بَعْدَ النَّفْسِ He said, they only happen after someone does not make any claims. وَعَدَمِ الْإِلْتِفَاتِ لَهَا And they no longer regard their own selves. And they don't incline towards their passions. And that then these states of unveilings are singled out depending upon the very state of the one who's receiving the unveiling. This person, that when they recite verses that relate to hope, what dominates their state is istibshar, joy. This person might be in a state where paradise, a, an image of paradise is unveiled for them. And so he witnesses it as if he sees it right before his eyes. When غلب الخوف and if he goes to a state where fear dominates. Kushuf bin Nar, it might be that the hellfire is unveiled to him. Hatta yara and wa'adabi, and he might even see different types of punishment therein. Because we see in the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there are these gentle manifestations, and then there's these very intense and severe manifestations. Things that we hope for and things that we are fearful of. Depending upon the various traits and characteristics involved. So on one hand we have mercy and gentleness on the other that we have that taking uh, that, uh, that we have vengeance and we have seizing. 
فبحسب مشاهدة الكلمات والصفات يتقلب القلب في اختلاف الحالات. So depending upon what someone is witnessing when they're reading the various words that they're reciting and uh, that the heart will then go through these different states. وبحسب كل حالة من يستعل المكاشف أمرا يناسب تلك الحالة ويقاربها and depending upon the state at hand one will prepare oneself then and be prepared for the unveiling at hand that goes along with what it is that someone is reading. إذ يستحيل أن يكون حال مستمع واحد ومسموع مختلفا because it's not possible that the state of the one listening be in one way and that what it is that they're hearing be different. إذ فيه كلام راد وكلام غضبان وكلام منعم وكلام منتقم وكلام جبار متقبل لا يبالي وكلام حنان متعطف لا يهمل He explains the difference in other words is that this relates somewhat to what he mentioned before which is this idea of تأثر being affected and how whatever it is that we are reciting if we move up in the degrees of recitation it will impact us greatly and if it's a majestic manifestation there will be a response in the heart if it's a beautiful manifestation there will be a response in the heart and so depending upon what one is reading there will be a corresponding impact that it has on the heart but all of this comes as and this is why Imam Ghazali mentioned these stories so that we can know that there are people that attain great spiritual states but again we don't worship Allah for these things they're confirmations and they're there for wisdoms and one of the wisdoms is to strengthen our certainty and to then dedicate ourselves more to doing acts that please him subhanahu wa ta'ala and making sure that we avoid at all costs anything that would distance us from him subhanahu wa ta'ala may Allah ta'ala give us tawfiq and bless us in all of our affairs ya arhamar rahimin may Allah ta'ala bless us to put all of these outward etiquettes and all these inner acts into practice and to strengthen our relationship with the Quran ya arhamar rahimin may bless us in these last days of ramadan ya arhamar rahimin and give us tawfiq in all of our different affairs wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam muhammadan wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin and insha'Allah ta'ala what remains is Abab al-Rabi' the uh, fourth chapter which is titled Fi Fahm al-Quran wa Tafsir bi-Ra'i min kair naqal so this is going to speak more about understanding the Quran and Quranic uh, commentary or exegesis insha'Allah ta'ala we will do what we can to look at some of the meanings that this chapter includes in the remaining days of this blessed month may Allah ta'ala bless us to to turn to him in these days and may we all have end with a great khatam and khatima of this blessed shahar and may all of our relative endings inshallah ta'ala be great and may that ultimately lead to us dying in the very best of states and having a kamal husnul khatima when we are lord subhanahu wa ta'ala fi khairun wa and anything that is that in the way of us in attaining that, may Allah Ta'ala remove it from our lives and to dedicate ourselves, bless us to dedicate ourselves to this deen. Bi khayr wal fa'afiyah. Barakallahu feekum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.